Truth News Network. A president lies. You know he's lying. He knows you know he's lying. And you know he knows you know. So what do you do? Hmm? You might want to figure it out. How about someone telling the truth? We can help you with that. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And the man you can rely on is Dan Newman. I'm the guy here. What what else can I say? We're going to figure it out together. I like that back and forth. You know he's lying. He knows. You know he's lying. (laughs) That's hilarious. Pete Moss, the guy that uh, produces all of our uh, vocal and audio opens and closes and sound bites and everything, he comes up with some of the most dramatic intros, like that one you just heard. Well, anyway, welcome to a stormy day in the South. I think it's headed up into the Midwest. It's it's really horrible around us right now. In fact, you'll probably hear some of the thunder boomies outside of our studio. We are well insulated, soundproofed, but sometimes when it gets bad out there, you can't keep it out. Thankfully, so far, we've not heard of anything serious weather-wise happening around us. But over in Texas, you can't say that. My goodness, they are devastated. We'll get numbers, if we have numbers, regarding the uh, locations of these tornadoes and any horrors that they might uh, put on the people that uh, are under those things when they land across, I guess it's the Gulf South, going up to the Northeast. Anyway, weather, especially in Louisiana. If you don't like it, wait a few minutes, it's going to change. Thank you so much for being a part of TNN Live and Truth News Network. Um, Let me just tell you something that's happened the last few days. The readership of our stories has just gone through the roof. And it has to do, obviously, not with the writing, not with the writer, but the subject's of the stories. There's so many things we can't get our arms around. They're unknown. Now, we are told and given certain explanations about these things, but we can't rely on them. We just can't trust them. And so today's story, we're going to get into this here at the top of the show. The name, the, the, the story title is President Joe Biden, His Horrific Presidency and Its Cost to Americans. Now, let me tell you where I am in this whole thing, folks. I'm um, I'm trying to be right down the middle of the road, but I got to be honest with you. I can't do it any longer. I just cannot do it any longer. Facts are facts, and if they hurt, if they sting, so be it. People on the left are no different than people on the right, and vice versa. Everybody has issues. And when we cover up the issues, when we speak about them in media, we're performing a disservice for those people who are reading our stories or listening to us here at TNN Live. I got to stop that. Why? Well, let me just tell you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you exactly what and who said this, but there are some long-term plans and goals and objectives by a huge very wealthy, very connected group of globalists that Joe Biden spoke about yesterday. He kind of um, let us get a glimpse of what the plans are, not just for the United States, but every country. 
We'll get there in just a little bit. Stay with us now. Right now, in the United States, we're in real trouble. Just take a look at the globe. The entire globe. And try yourself to objectively put the plethora of messes that are happening in the Biden administration in a context for comparison's sake. You cannot do it. There is no logical way to phrase any of President Biden's actions, any of them. I mean, every one of them. It's just out there. It's time to state the facts. Not only is Joe Biden a shadow of his former self that we watched in all those years in the U.S. Senate, you know, he was a spokesman, he was a great speaker, he was an empty suit, but he still could talk good. Add to that the way he is operating his White House, and there's nothing to say describing it better than the Biden administration is in free fall. Where is it going to land? <laughs> we don't know, and we're stuck right in the middle of it. So here we are today, 22nd of March, 2022. We're in a shooting war with Russia. No, we're not shooting ourselves. That makes it okay. We're supplying the weapons. The Ukrainians are doing the fighting, and the Ukrainians are doing the dying too, sadly. But make no mistake, in addition to arming the Ukrainians, by our sanctions, we have, in essence, declared economic war on Russia and reportedly are also using our satellites to target Russian troops for death and destruction. We are in this war just as surely as if Americans were on the ground pulling the triggers. And as this all continues to go on, the question becomes, How's it going to play out? Russia's not going to just sit there idly, folks. Will they retaliate against us with cyber attacks that would disrupt our domestic power grid, our pipelines, our transportation, our financial institutions, and every other piece of our infrastructure? Are they going to do that? Will it unleash chemical or biological weapons? Will it use tactical nukes? to speed up the rubbling of Ukraine's cities that are already, in large part, in rubble. How will we respond if Russia pursues any of these options? Are we going to do something? And how close are we to that one misstep that could cause events to spiral out of control into a nuclear conflagration? (laughs) Many of you, like me, are saying, how the heck did we get here in the first place? Well, that answer is simple. The so-called head of the Biden regime is weak, is corrupt, and is mentally incompetent. I used it. I said it. The I word. Joe Biden, our president, is mentally incompetent. None of this is or has been a secret. All of it's been on embarrassing display. It's out there. It's in front and center before the entire world and was disastrously demonstrated by Joe Biden's witless and chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan as well as his astoundingly, and no other word to say, but moronic pre-war assurance to Putin that the United States would not 
militarily oppose an invasion of Ukraine. Excuse me, I used the I word invasion. I shouldn't have. Joe actually opened the door for Putin to do a small incursion into Ukraine. What have the Biden family's benefactors in Ukraine and Russia getting for their money? (laughs) I just touched... I just touched a sore spot. Whose interest is the Biden regime serving? Now, let's let's put away all of the uh, political partisanship and politically correct stuff. Let's just go ahead and go right to the core of this. Biden's caretakers, they've desperately tried to hide and explain away his uh, glaringly obvious unfitness for office. I mean, it's just out there, folks. During the 2020 presidential campaign, they kept him out of public view. He couldn't hardly ever do a speech, certainly not answer any questions. As our purported president, his public appearances have been marked by his inability to extemporaneously speak in a coherent manner. He even struggles to read off a teleprompter, frequently appears to be confused and lost in a mental fog. He gets that look on his face. Look at today's story, the top of the page, truthnewsnet.org. Look at the picture on his face as he comes down the stairs to Air Force One. That's the look he gets when he gets into this fog. Nevertheless, with all this going on, the Biden regime has been aided and abetted by corporate media, eager to do their part to mask Biden's deficits. Similarly, none of the corporate media have questioned or investigated the Biden family's murky financial dealings in three places. This is not just an accident, folks. The Biden family syndicate, that's what we termed it here at TNN Live. The Biden family uh, syndicate, they're involved in financial dealings in three places, Ukraine, Russia, and China. How do those three play into what we're watching now go on in Ukraine? We'll get to that. The Biden regime has been assisted by our own intelligence and federal law enforcement agencies. They kneecapped Donald Trump's presidency based on lies concocted by Hillary Clinton's 26th campaign, while dismissing as Russian disinformation all the evidence of the Biden's family corruption contained on Hunter Biden's laptop computer. We could give you story after story, headline after headline. We could give you video, audio, sound that prove mainstream media, they just automatically refuse to even do a story on that laptop. Many of them wouldn't even mention it. Joe Biden was installed in the Oval Office by a process that had all the features of the color revolutions that our deep state has so successfully fomented around the world. On election night, 2020, the vote count was mysteriously halted. And it wasn't halted in just one area. It was across the U.S. There followed an avalanche of mail-in ballots of unknown origin. The corporate media promptly declared Biden the winner. They denounced anybody who dared to publicly question this outcome. 
Those who persisted in challenging the result were smeared, were banned from social media. Many of them were canceled. Many have even been sued in court or had their livelihoods threatened or destroyed. And with that, it was mission accomplished. America's color revolution had succeeded in installing a drooling fool in the Oval Office as president. And just a little bit here on the show, I'm going to talk about the big questions and the election results that hung over the state of Pennsylvania. You're not going to believe what came out. We'll have that for you. Folks, that election, the results of that election were, without a doubt, evidence falling all over everybody's desk proves the results were manipulated. Today, Russia has decided to just exploit Biden's weaknesses. I mean, that's after that's what you do. After all, you, uh, you find your opponent, you find their weaknesses, and you take advantage of them. But how long is it going to be before communist China, North Korea, Iran, Islamic terrorists, narco states, and every other malign element take advantage of the unprecedented opportunity that is, folks, our president's weak and semi-comatose leadership. We got to face facts. We have to face facts. And the number one we must face in this conversation today is that Donald Trump, the only president in this century who did not get us into a war and whose policies produced a thriving economy, nobody can effectively discount that. American energy independence, stable foreign relations, has been replaced by a literal idiot who has wrecked our economy, opened our borders, and undermined our national security. You put those three things together, folks, we are close to destroying our own nation. And we don't need Vladimir Putin to help us. We have Joe Biden. And now, in his most remarkable achievement to date, he has gotten us into a shooting match between two countries wherein each he and his family have surreptitiously reaped untold wealth. Just think about that. The fact is that we've gone to war on behalf of a country where, according to a U.S. Senate report, by the way, the Biden family has had questionable financial dealings and are fighting yet another country where Alina Bacharina, you remember that? You don't remember the name probably. She's the wife of the former mayor of Moscow and reputedly, listen to this, she is the wealthiest woman in Russia. Now, what does that mean, Dan? Well, she made a 2014 wire transfer of a paltry $3.5 million to Rosemont Seneca Thornton LLC. What's that? It's a company co-founded by Hunter Biden. In 2015, then-Vice President Joe Biden was seen having dinner in Georgetown. You know, that little suburb of D.C., with who? Ms. Baturina. 
unlike other oligarchs. Listen to this. Listen to this. All those, you know, we've seen the pictures of those massive 200-foot yachts being grabbed. They're grabbing bank accounts. All those oligarchs that are tied directly to Vladimir Putin. Well, unlike the other ones, the ones that we've seen the, the stuff that's been grabbed, she has not been subject to any of the U.S. sanctions which were imposed following Russia's invasion of Ukraine and guess where she stands in the pecking order of the wealth that comes from handouts from Vladimir Putin? Number one, all the others sanctioned, but not Alina. All this gives rise to some certain unavoidable questions. What are the Biden's family benefactors in Ukraine and Russia getting for their money? Whose interest is the Biden regime serving? What covert influences may be in play? And what effect, if any, are they having on our involvement and our conduct of the war? All of these are very vital, very troubling questions. We got to get answers. We're staring at the possibility of getting into a nuclear war over a conflict that does not directly or immediately affect our national security or our survival. Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it is vile, cruel, evil, but it does not pose an imminent threat to the United States. So let's see. While we're watching the beginning of World War III in Europe, We witnessed the feckless directions of Biden pushing us down the tunnel toward national bankruptcy, signing bill after bill, and as law instigating spending several trillion dollars more that we don't have. Despots around the world, don't think for a second they're not hungrily watching as Putin bites pieces of Ukraine. No accountability to Biden or any other nation's leader, and certainly not to Volodymyr Zelensky. After all, if you don't live in Ukraine or surrounding countries, what is there to worry about? They all know the U.S. has always rushed into any foreign conflict with answers. Answers for every issue included. The assurance left Washington the same day. Donald Trump handed the torch to Joe Biden. That U.S. assurance that we've got everybody's back, it's gone. Joe Biden's there. He doesn't even know he's there. Oh, I forgot. Biden didn't get the torch to keep. He handed it to Barack or Valerie Jarrett. You know, those real leaders of our nation, even today. Moreover, why is the Biden regime giving precedence to the invasion of Ukraine over the ongoing invasion of, you know, the United States? We're not being invaded, are we? Yeah, we are. Constantly, 24-7 at our southern border. How is it that the Biden regime is allowing and promoting the invasion of our nation? While at the risk of nuclear war, war, it has maneuvered us into an armed conflict over the territorial integrity of a country that's next door to Russia and is 6,000 miles from us. Is this a case of misdirection? 
Is the Biden regime using this war to distract us from the disaster at our southern border and the wanton and mildness destruction of our energy independence and economy? Well, you know, Joe's doing all that is out there. And of course, they don't take responsibility for it. They never do for anything bad that happens. They just now, it's Biden inflation. No, it's not. They're saying it's Putin inflation. By the way, he canceled the oil, fossil fuel oil industry the day he was elected president. A year before Vladimir Putin went into Ukraine. This is all Biden's responsibility. Every bit of it. Don't expect any of our leaders or corporate media to pose or seek answers to these questions. But consider this. The fate of the world is in the hands of a man who is literally and demonstrably a weak-willed and mentally disabled dimwit with highly questionable financial interests on both sides of the war, in Ukraine, as well as in communist China and in Russia, 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 which is on the verge of coming to Russia's assistance. That would be China. He's, he's obligated to all of them, folks. <laughs> Ukraine, Russia, and China. How have we slipped this far in just a year and two months? No one can argue we are light years away from where we were a year and a few months ago. Nothing like what we are watching today could have possibly happened during the Trump administration. I don't care who you are. I don't care what information you know. I'm an American. I participated in what happened in all four years of the Trump administration. My bank account was better. My taxes were lower. All of my employees did better, top to bottom. Nobody did worse than happened during the Obama-Biden years. Everybody did better. Day he was elected, I paid a dollar. Uh, uh, he being Obama, uh, not Obama, Biden. I paid a dollar sixty-five a gallon for gas. When's the last time you did that? The Obama administration, that of Bush forty-three, as well as the Clinton administration, never had uproars as we do at this level. Yeah, they all had some, but he's only been in office a year, folks. One would hope that somehow the ship USA would right itself, but that isn't going to happen. It's very unlikely with the President Biden at the helm. No matter what is the cumulative cost of our journey towards heaven, the Ukrainians have made it clear to all there will be no surrender to Vladimir. It's pure horror to picture the number of those that have been and will be slaughtered by Putin's minions before this war is completed. There are single-digit percentages, which is low, low, low percentages projected of Ukraine's chance of victory over Russia. It's doubtful Ukrainian fighters can get it done and impossible to think that Biden could come up with a plan that might, just might, bring success for Ukraine over Russia. Ukrainians, French, German, Britain, and the remainder of European countries had best develop a plan of their own to protect themselves from Putin's imminent victory. 
He ain't going to stop, folks. Remember this. No matter what happens on the ground in Ukraine, we must take care of our own stuff, principally on the American continent. But hey, folks, Joe Biden's in charge. What could possibly go wrong? Wow. We're blessed that we live here, folks, but where we live, you know, here, it's not looking the same as it looked a year and a half ago, is it? I mean, we could sit here all day and say, oh my gosh, you know, look what this this did, and this did this to me, and Joe Biden, he didn't do this, and oh, he just decided to forget about Congress running the economy of the nation and he took it over with executive orders and now taxes are going up, interest rates are going up. We don't have money to pay for gas and food. But he says, we're he did yesterday. He said, our economy is better than it's ever been. It's growing better than it ever has. All ball face lies. And our media, with the exception of two or three outlets, give him a free pass. And so any president that stands up at the bully pulpit and grabs the microphone, mainstream media, give him a a free pass for anything and everything he says. Joe Biden is mentally incompetent. There is no other explanation for why anybody would do the things that he is doing, say the things that he is saying. Three more years of this, folks. O-M-G. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? you there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Here we go. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Here we go with savings at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Come in now and pick up O'Reilly Motor Oil for 99 cents a bottle. Champion Spark Plugs only 69 cents after mail-in rebate. And check out our all-new Extreme Battery. All group sizes, $69.99. Quality parts, cool accessories, everyday low prices. You know where. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Have a seat. Where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan, your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. 
It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So there's no snacks, nothing. I brought kale. TurboTax Live, now with CPAs on demand. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. You want to weigh in anytime? Love to have you join us. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. I told you folks, I told you a long time ago, we were going to begin to see the very marked decline publicly, the effects of Joe Biden as president of the United States. And to reveal, as we see Joe Biden doing his thing, media trying to cover up for him, but they can't anymore because his actions are playing out on a world stage that we all get to look at every day. Right now, right now, the Senate is in the middle of a confirmation hearing for his first nominee to replace uh, the previous nominee, Supreme Court Justice that is retiring, Justice Breyer, and the nominee is Ketanji Brown Jackson. They are already, they being the mainstream media, they're already out there protecting her and covering for her. And I want to give you just an example of what they are doing. Somebody thought it was a good idea to stick a microphone and a TV camera in front of Democrat from Texas, Democrat House of Representatives member Jackson Lee. Listen to her explanation of what's going on this week in the consideration of Ketanji Brown becoming the next justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. The idea uh, of a Supreme Court justice being a black woman. But let me applaud President Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris of their own um, goodwill and a desire for fairness. I thank them for uh, this uh, nomination. Uh, but as soon as it was heard of, uh, we were very instrumental in pushing, but as soon as the nomination came, the Congressional Black Caucus set out uh, to say, first of all, anyone nominated as an African-American woman we know would be qualified, but when she was nominated, actually, uh, we were the anchor, we were the uh, strength that pushed it on. For me personally, I'm 27 years on the Judiciary Committee. Can you imagine being here for that long a period of time? But that's why I wanted to be here. Uh, and with a little bit of humor, I wanted to stare down uh, any untoward behavior uh, and any funny business. Uh, and there may be funny business, and uh, I've dealt with funny business a lot in my hearings and Judiciary Committee, and I'm known to be very good at staring down funny business. Yes, along those lines, what about... <laughs> First of all, anyone nominated as an African-American woman we know would be qualified. That in itself is the definition of racism. Racism means treating someone differently just because of their skin color. In other words, they're not better as, better than, worse than. And she didn't use the term equality. She used the term fairness. Do you know that the very nomination of Katanji Brown to be the next U.S. Supreme Court justice is racist. 
well, how can it be racist? She's African-American, Dan. Nothing that is good for an African-American can be racist. Yes, it can. Racism doesn't have a skin color. It never has. But this media and the last 20 plus years, as best as I can remember, probably longer than that, that's exactly what happened. Racism was given a skin color. And what's the color? It's white. If you're white, just because you're white, you're automatically the fundamental thing is a racist. You've got to prove over a period of time to me, whoever's calling you a racist, that you're not. And I'll be the sole arbiter in the end of whether or not you are a racist. But look what Joe Biden did. (laughs) He picked an African-American woman. And I'm not saying anything about Ketanji Brown. In this conversation, I'm not referencing her. I'm just saying the skin color of the person that he ran to to nominate is African-American. Flip, flip the 180 degrees in that whole thing. What if Joe Biden had picked someone who was white just because they were white and bragged about it to the nation? What would that mean? Joe's a white supremacist. So his picking a black woman, I mean, there are two categories there that are just unbelievable, and he publicly proclaimed the reason he picked her was she's a woman and she is African-American. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying she's a woman. She may identify as something other than a woman, and I'm not sure what that could entail. I mean, I think I think there are only men and women, but if you look at society today and look how things have changed, science no longer matters. What equity that belongs to the left, solely to the left, whatever they say in the equity balance is the way it is. So by his bringing her to the confirmation hearings, his nominating her, putting her up in front of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate every day this week. He left out thousands of others that are very qualified to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, and he left them out. Why did he leave them out? Two things. Because they're not black and because they're not women. Novel idea. Our forefathers, when they established the Supreme Court, they established it, and the rule was to go find whoever in the country was most qualified to serve. So do you really think Joe Biden nominated Katanji Brown because she's the most qualified? No, he didn't. He told us the reason he nominated her was because she's black and she's a woman. Now here's the danger of us going down, sliding down this hill based on equity. Equality, folks, cannot be manipulated. Equality is pure. It's just like the truth. It is what it is. And we're not the ones that determine equality. We have in the United States, given by our forefathers, blanket equality for everybody. And when you have that, there's no need to judge what is equality and what is not. When they begin to use the term 
equity, and fairness, as you just heard Sheila Jackson Lee used. What that means is now equity and fairness can be adjusted. It can be used. And somebody has to have the sole power to do that, to define equity and define fairness. That is the thing that the far left have got to grab and hold on to so they can reshape the nation. They hate equality. They hate fairness, equal justice under the law. They hate it. They want equity and fairness that they can manipulate to apply to whomever, whenever, under the circumstances they want it to apply. Guess what Joe Biden is doing on top of all of this? This one exposes him like he's never been before. He expressed yesterday a desire to lead, and I'm going to tell you what he's saying. His desire to lead, and this is a quote, a new world order. Joe Biden, President of the United States, said he wants to lead a new world order. Now, he said that during a conversation with a bunch of business leaders. He said the coronavirus pandemic and the Russian invasion of Ukraine would help reset the world. Here's what he said in a quote. My mother had an expression, he said. Out of everything terrible, something good will come if you look hard enough for it. He spoke about the current global climate during a speech with some of America's top company CEOs. They were all attending a business roundtable. What they were doing, uh, they were up there looking for dollars and cents, dialing for dollars. That's the way it always works. He said, I think this presents us with some significant opportunities to make some real changes. He said, the entire world is at an inflection point. I guarantee you that was a written speech. (laughs) The entire world is at an inflection point that he said historically occurs about every three to four generations during times of crisis. He recalled a comment from a military official in a recent meeting who said that 60 million people died globally between 1900 and 1946, and that allowed the U.S. to lead the world. Can't figure out what that would do to make it okay for us to lead the world. 60 million people died around the world. That was the key to us taking the lead. That makes no sense. But he continued, as he always does. Since then, he said, we've established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long, long time. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. Uh, What world is Joe living in today? We are in the most chaotic year of my 68 years breathing. And I mean, I went through the Korean conflict. I lived through the um, Vietnam, you can't call it a war legally. It was never declared a war, but the Vietnam crisis. I went through Iraq 1, Iraq 2, on, on and on and on. Lots of chaos, lots of confusion, lots of horror and bad bad thinkings and feelings for people. We went up and down. Government's great. Government's horrible. We got to destroy. All those things we, I lived through. Nothing even comes close to what we're dealing with today. Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. 
Biden explained he thinks the world is going through a similar situation now. He didn't give us one example of the world that he referenced. He did it, you know, on a blanket basis, nothing particular. Now is a time, he said, when things are shifting. There's going to be a new world order out there. We've got to lead it, and we've got to unite the rest of the free world while doing it, he concluded. Well, guess what? We played you sound bites from Sky News people in Australia, also in Britain. Those people in other countries, free countries, free world countries, they don't want this president leading some type of new world order. They just want him to get us to fall in line so they can pick whoever is going to do that if we're going to have a new world order. And the obvious candidate, it was expressed from the very beginning when Barack Obama broke on the scene politically. Democrats were preparing him to take that role. There are so many moving parts in our life today, folks. So many. We just can't figure it all out. Lots of noise. Have you heard of NewsGuard Advisory? NewsGuard Advisory has made the news. One of their board members, Michael Hayden, you remember him? Former CIA director under Obama. He's the one that began to scream and holler the loudest when Hunter Biden's laptop information hit the news that it was fake Russian disinformation. Former CIA director carries a lot of clout, especially talking about intelligence matters. He spent much of the Trump years attacking and belittling belittling Republicans. And he went every day when it was out there in the news. Hunter Biden's laptop story, Russian disinformation, despite serving on the advisory board of NewsGuard, which is an organization that claims to oppose the refusal to correct major errors in news stories and commentary. He, to this day, even though it was announced promulgated, put out at the top of the story at the New York Times that the information contained on Hunter Biden's laptop is real information. The increasingly partisan Trump-hating former NSA and CIA director Michael Hayden still serves on the advisory board of NewsGuard. I can't figure out why. He was among the national security officials that signed that letter, remember, that falsely claimed Hunter's laptop was a Russian disinformation. They actually said Russia created the hard drive on that laptop and put all that stuff on it. Last week, 18 months after the New York Post broke the story about Hunter's laptop, the New York Times finally reported emails from the laptop had been authenticated. 12.5% of NewsGuard's ratings criteria specifically applies to whether or not a publication regularly corrects or clarifies its errors. But NewsGuard board member Michael Hayden has yet to correct or clarify his, in spite of the fact that it concerns one of the most important news stories of the 2020 cycle, one that will likely continue to be a major story 
as the federal investigation, you know there's one underway, has been. We're going to see if it continues now. Are they going to try to sweep it under the rug? NewsGuard General Manager Matt Sabinski stressed that Michael Hayden plays no role in determining the ratings of news websites. As we specify on our website, NewsGuard's advisors play no role in the determinations of ratings or the nutrition label write-ups of websites unless otherwise noted and have no role in the governance or management of the organization. That includes Michael Hayden, Zabinski said, with whom we have never discussed the laptop story or any website's rating. The most obvious evidence of this is that despite any views Hayden may have about the Hunter Biden laptop story, no publications rating ever was negatively affected as a result of publishing that story. So Sabinski did not respond to a specific question of why a frequent media pundit and commentator who refuses to correct an error about such a major news story should remain on the board of an organization that supposedly values accuracy and correction in news. Now, come on, man. Come on, man. We have Facebook and Twitter out there and Google to correct stories and do those kinds of things when people are bad. They're the fact checkers. Let them fact check Michael Hayden. He's not going to step forward. He's not going to step forward, folks, and admit it himself. So here we are. It has been agreed to emails on that laptop. They hadn't talked about any of the video, which I've seen some of, and it really was nauseating. I saw Hunter Biden breaking numerous laws, dating, and I'm using the the term dating very loosely because there was no dating involved. It was prostitution of underage girls. All of those things rolled in. (laughs) And, And the left At the beginning of it, they said, including Michael Hayden, former CIA director, said that the Russians duplicated, created all of that with Hunter Biden, I guess, as as an actor when they created it. There in the middle of all of this now are eight Joe Biden scandals that are inside that MacBook Pro that corporate media just admitted is legitimate. Eight scandals. They're going to have to be answered to. Number one, pay to play in Ukraine. The most obvious scandal bared by the emails and texts contained on that laptop are about the influence profiteering Joe Biden participated in during his eight years as O's vice president with Ukraine featuring heavily in the pay-to-play scheme. Now, the New York Times, and it's likely get-ahead-of-the-story coverage from last week, they, they did touch on the Ukrainian angle. They noted Hunter's connection to Burisma, and then they quoted emails recovered from the laptop indicating the younger Biden leveraged his dad's position, who was then vice president. But the Times surface coverage of the Burisma scandal doesn't nearly suffice. Surface, it was. The Times made no mention of Hunter's appointment to Burisma Holdings Board of Directors, making $50,000 a month during his dad's time as vice president. Hunter had no energy experience of any kind, so a deep dive 
on the entire Biden-Burisma connection is a first step if they want to deal with these evidences that are on that laptop hard drive. Second, China gets in the game. Ukraine is just a patch on the influence peddling undertaken by Biden on behalf of the big guy. You know, the big guy, head of the Biden family syndicate, the big guy. We know over and over and over again, we're told by those in the inner circle, the big guy always has been Joe Biden. China also played a big role in the family enterprise. Past coverage in November of 2021. Then the Times reported in a brief little section of a story, that Hunter's joint global equity firm, the Bohai Harvest Equity Investment Fund, had helped coordinate the purchase by a Chinese mining company of the world's largest cobalt source in the Congo. Now, what the heck would Hunter Biden be doing working on a deal in the Congo? Unless... His dad happened to be vice president and had power. That deal gave China, folks, uh, control over a huge chunk of the world's known cobalt supplies. That, by the way, is necessary to create electric car batteries. And the role of Hunter's company, Bohai, in the transaction connects directly to Joe as Hunter reportedly launched that new joint enterprise with Chinese business partners less than two weeks after he went to China on Air Force Two with his then vice president dad. So looking at that scandal, the press needs to push beyond those emails recovered from his laptop and do what Tucker Carlson did when the pay-to-play scandal first surfaced. Talk to Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, Bobolinsky provided further proof that this scandal reaches the top of the Biden family. Third, Moscow, Kazakhstan, and more. Ukraine and China, probably the two most significant revelations from the laptop. Once those threads are pulled, investigators should move on to Moscow, which, according to a Senate report, holds another possible scandal. That was about the money we dealt with and told you about just a little bit ago. But there's more. There's a Kazakhstan investor and several other quote-unquote investors. After all, there's no reason to think that a person willing to let his son sell access to the VP of the U.S. would close the money trail to just a few countries. Hey, y'all come on in. We're taking money. We'll take yours if you just let us. Fourth, Ukraine's firing of that investigating prosecutor that was investigating Burisma Holdings. They fired him at Joe's behest. So with the elite media now just dying over the coverage of Hunter's laptop, appropriate. My microphone, there we go. I hate it when my microphone does that. Sometimes it just it just fades in and out. I don't get it. That makes questions concerning then-Vice President Joe Biden's demand that Ukraine fire that state prosecutor who was reportedly investigating Burisma. It makes it ripe to revisit that. What was that process about? Who was in charge of it? Who did it? What was the what was going on when they did it? 
Victor Shokin is the prosecutor. He was fired according to statements Joe Biden made during that event. You saw it. He was in the U.S. bragging about it a couple of years later. He said, "In this is Joe Biden saying in that, uh, in that meeting that he was in, it was televised nationally, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. That was a loan guarantee that he told him he had in his pocket where the United States was going to guarantee a billion-dollar loan for Ukraine. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here in, I think it was about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bee, he got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid at the time. In other words, someone that wasn't going to continue the investigation of the fraudulent actions of Burisma Holdings, where Hunter Biden was just on the board. He wasn't working in the company, but they paid him 50 grand a month to do that. Biden needs to answer questions about the threats to withhold that money from Ukraine, unless the country removed the state prosecutor responsible for investigating Burisma for real purposes. By the way, Democrats impeached Donald Trump for less than that. Number five, Obama-Biden administration ignoring conflicts of interest. He also needs to answer about his decision to ignore the clear conflicts involved with him negotiating with the same countries Hunter was shaking down at the time. Of course, since the big guy was in on the scam, Bowing out over conflicts of interest is the lesser of the evils. He was involved in them, folks. Joe Biden, President of the United States, was financially involved in all of them, according to his son. Now, did his son lie about it? I don't know. But it still is worth investigating to find out how deep this president was in this scheme. The testimony of the State Department official charged with issues related to Ukraine, again, proves significant. Kent. You remember that name? Kent told lawmakers that after finding out Hunter sat on the board of Burisma, he raised concerns with the vice president's office about that relationship. He testified before the House, saying, I raised my concerns that I heard that Hunter Biden was on the board of a company owned by somebody that the U.S. government had spent money trying to get tens of millions of dollars back, and that could create the perception of a conflict of interest. That was in his testimony, October of 2019. The message that I recall hearing was that the vice president's son, Bo, was dying of cancer and that there was no further bandwidth to deal with family-related issues at the time. And that was that. No more conversation. Well, the question should be now for Joe whether anyone in his office raised concerns about the clear conflicts of interest with him personally, and if so, why did he ignore the problem? Next, the intelligence community's briefing of Biden. Another scandal reaching President Biden concerns his interactions with the intelligence community after the FBI and probably the CIA and other agencies, learned in December of 2019 that Hunter believed Russians had stolen his own laptop, rendering the Biden susceptible to blackmail. In this one, folks, it's important to understand there are two separate Hunter Biden laptops at issue. The most discussed one was actually 
the second laptop. That laptop was the one Hunter had abandoned at that Delaware repair shop. Then, after the repair shop owner discovered the concerning material on the hard drive of that MacBook, the store owner handed it to the FBI in December of 2019. The owner of the repair shop, however, had first made a copy of the hard drive, which resulted in the New York Post coverage in October of 2020. But there was another laptop, one that Hunter believed Russians had stolen from him when he was binging on drugs with prostitutes in the summer of 2018 in Las Vegas. While the public did not learn about the existence of this earlier laptop until August of last year, the FBI knew about it as early as December of 2019 when they took possession of the second laptop. So, among other material contained on the second one was a video of Biden recounting the circumstances of his first laptop disappearing with some Russians. Significantly on that video, Hunter said his first laptop contained a ton of material leaving him susceptible to blackmail since his dad was running for president and Hunter talked about it all the time. We didn't ever hear about this other laptop, did we? It's inconceivable that the FBI and the intelligence communities didn't brief Biden on the discovery and the risk of blackmail given that former FBI Director James Comey briefed Trump on the fake steel dossier. On second thought, that is the initial question reporters should ask the president. Here's the question they ought to ask. Did the FBI brief you, Mr. President, on the fact that Hunter believed Russians had stolen a laptop containing compromising information? Why hadn't that been asked? From there, a real press should investigate to ensure that Joe Biden did not direct the intelligence community to bury this national security risk to protect himself or his son with this run for the presidency in the horizon. Number seven, possible collusion to interfere in the election of 2020. You know, the one that it was all Donald Trump's people, right? An honest press should investigate whether President Biden or anyone connected to his then-presidential campaign pressured reporters or media outlets or companies like Twitter and Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. And what about the 50 former intelligence officials who publicly declared the laptop resembled a Russian disinformation campaign? Something clearly untrue. Did Biden or his campaign coordinate with those 50, several of whom endorsed the Democrat candidate, by the way, in the release of the letter? So given that polls show that 17% of Biden voters would not have voted for him in 2020 if they had known about the Biden family scandals, the Biden family syndicate, the collective bearing of the laptop scandal represents the number one interference in elections ever seen in our country. That is election interference, folks. So, question, did Biden or his campaign have anything to do with the decision to kill the New York Post reporting on Hunter's MacBook? 
And what about the 50 former intelligence officials? That question needs to be asked and answered. From there, the follow-ups flow quickly. Who was involved in the push to silence the story? Who were the executives or journalists who bowed to the demands? Who coordinated with the intelligence officials? Were any threats or promises made? What were they? What did Joe know? What about other Democrats? And what about the Democratic National Committee? Number eight. (laughs) I love this. Joe Biden is a lying dog face pony soldier. (laughs) You remember that? Oh my gosh, when he called that man that, I couldn't believe it. Where did that come from? Lying dog face pony soldier soldier. This is the final Joe Biden scandal. The press should push Biden to answer concerns his lies to the American public. There are too many to count, too merit further questioning. First, the media should demand Biden answer for lying to the country when he seethed. I had never discussed with my son, my brother, or with anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. That's a bald-faced lie. It's a bald-faced lie. They never, ever raised it. The evidence overwhelmingly shows that Biden not only knew of the family business deals, but he was part of them. The second bold-faced fabrication from Biden came during his pre-election debate with Trump. You remember Trump raised the laptop from hell question when Trump asked Biden if he was saying the, quote, laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? The then Democrat candidate replied, that's exactly what I was told. Unlikely. Biden also countered with this doozy, which again raised the question of whether Biden had a role in the intelligence official's statement. Quote, there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this has all the five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except him and his good friend, Rudy Giuliani. We can now add the New York Times to Giuliani. (laughs) It remains to be seen whether the old gray lady and the other legacy outlets will report on the future scandals the laptop revealed, the ones that reach the President of the United States. And let me just say this. There is no doubt. It's going to come out. It's going to come out, folks. There's no way they can keep this all secret. If it's not the legacy media, that would be the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC. Those are the legacy ones. If they don't bring it out, we're going to see Newsmax. We're going to see Fox News. We're going to see uh, see One America News. They're all going to come out with it. We're going to get the facts. But why not do it now? Not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. 
Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle <laughs> What are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equip. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. While we were in that last story, I kind of hate to say this, but somebody sent me a text that contained pictures reportedly from that Hunter Biden laptop that show Hunter Biden in a room, not with adults, but with a young girl, dressed very provocatively, makeup on. Somebody obviously did that. Oh, my gosh. It just gets more vile, more vile. And it's all been hidden, purposely hidden to protect Hunter Biden and I think also President Biden. Yesterday, he got back to Ukraine. He warned that Vladimir Putin is preparing a series of what he called consequential and sophisticated attacks against us as he grows increasingly desperate in Ukraine. President said this, As I've said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential. He commented on Putin during a speech to America's top CEOs at the business roundtable that we talked about a few minutes ago. He recalled the conversation he had with Putin last year in which they talked about cyber attacks and said he would respond severely if Russia launched an attack. Now, here's what I want to know. We know Russia has launched thousands of attacks. He even talked about them in the election. Here we are. More of those attacks are happening. Who's he waiting for the Russians to cyber attack? <laughs> who? Tell us who. He's, he's just like his boss, folks. Remember that famous red line in Syria? where President Assad was gassing his own citizens and Barack Obama very famously said, if he did it again, this is in a a press meeting, he said, here's my red line. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically, if he does it again, I'm drawing the line. If he crosses that line, it's on. Well, he crossed that line. Barack moved the line and said, if he crosses this line, it's on. Assad cross that line and nothing happened. So is Biden doing that now with Putin? I don't know. Biden recalled a conversation he had had with Putin last year. We've had an altar call, (laughs) he and I on this issue. Oh my gosh. Biden just talks about all kinds of stuff that he has no concept of what it is. He's Catholic. There are no altar calls in a Catholic church. Anyway, He said Putin admitted it was part of his playbook, cyber attacks. He spoke proudly of the U.S. kneecapping Russia's economy, 
thank these American CEOs who announced their decision to take their business out of Russia. Putin's back is against the wall. He wasn't planning on the extent and strength of our unity, and the more his back is against the wall, the greater severity of tactics that he'll employ. Biden called the private sector to bolster their cybersecurity, calling it their patriotic obligation to invest as much as possible into their defenses. Now, this is a president, folks. He's not doing anything consequential. He's not saying anything consequential. He's throwing out things like, if you don't protect your IT infrastructure, he's going to get you and we're not, we're not going to do anything about it. We're going to protect ours, or we already have. Folks, the Russians are hacking everything across this nation at will. Anytime they want in, they can find a way to get in. He also said Putin is planning on some false flag operations. That's the latest buzzword when you want to throw shade out there about somebody who disagrees with you, you just call what they say and what they do false flags. They just want to uh, get us to uh, look the other way. He complained in this speech that Putin kept asserting that Ukraine had biological and chemical weapons, repeating that the accusations were simply not true. Whenever he starts talking about something he thinks NATO, Ukraine, or the United States is about to do, it means he's getting ready to do it, Biden said. That's not a joke. Joe Biden lied yesterday. Listen to me, he lied yesterday. There are biological laboratories all over Ukraine, at least 30 of them, and we either funded or we instituted, created, and operated them some of them ourself. Why, oh, why would we do that on foreign soil if we were not doing something that we wanted to be kept quiet from our neighbors around the world? I could deep dive into telling you the story of what Ukraine was all about, what its history is, and that the Nazis... I'm not talking about the kind of Nazis that walk the streets of the United States today. I'm talking about Nazis from World War II. The, you remember the, the Third Reich? They made it very clear after the war was over, and they all went to Ukraine. Did you get that? They all went to Ukraine. They, a few of them are left, but their bloodline are there. They are still in the tank for Nazism. And they said their plan is not a decade or two. It's a hundred years in the making. They started it in the 1930s. What's a hundred years from 1930? 2030. We've already, we're already getting that close to that. We're just a few years away, less than a decade away from what they were talking about. We're going to see more and more and more of that as we move forward. Well, let's let's just keep moving forward here today. A lot of information, a lot of stuff out there. Uh, speaking of um, the Hunter Biden laptop, you know who Joe Rogan is. Got the number one podcast on earth. He's amazing. He is. He's not really a political guy. I mean, he's a WW. 
um, whatever, <laughs> the WWs, and you just you just put with it what you want. And he jumped into the fray yesterday on his podcast. New York Times just now is admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop is real. And, yeah. you know, we yeah. remember from the debates with Trump bringing it up to Biden and Biden saying it's bullshit and he's in t- I mean, it's, it's a lie, yeah. a flat out lie. Yeah. Everybody knew it was a lie. The New York Post had that story that was banned from Twitter which was just outright crazy that one of the oldest newspapers in the country. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody's going to go back and apologize to them. No, no one's but. apologizing. Nobody's going to go back and apologize. It was purposely done. And why don't we just for a few minutes, let's go to the horse's mouth. Last night, Tucker Carlson, Fox News, had Miranda Devine on his show. She is the writer, the columnist at the New York Post who um, wrote the story. Actually, it's now turned into a book, The Laptop from Hell. But she was on with Tucker Carlson last night. Why don't we listen to Tucker and Miranda? They would be the ones that could ask the appropriate questions, and, of course, she could answer them. Why don't we um, listen to those two from last night's Tucker Carlson show? So this is a massive, massive win for the people, I guess, who were censored. And first among them is Miranda Devine. Who was censored when she tried to tell the truth before the election? She's the author of The Laptop from Hell, columnist of the New York Post. We're happy to have her join us tonight. Miranda, I mean, how does this feel to have the New York Times um, admit that you were right all along? Well, it's kind of delicious to see them sort of squirming around trying to admit the obvious. But, you know, if you're a reader of the New York Post or a viewer of Fox News, you knew this 16 months ago. You didn't need the great New York Times to tell you that it was true and that they'd authenticated the emails. We already did that. And uh, we published uh, truth, the stories that were real and have continued to do so without fear or favour. But unfortunately, the New York Times readers have been kept in the dark by their their newspaper, their organ of choice, and that was for deliberate reasons. It was because they wanted Donald Trump to lose the 2020 election. So all journalistic ethics and standards went out the window. And it doesn't matter how you try and dress it up now and pretend that you just found out, even if you didn't have the laptop, as you know, because you interviewed Tony Bobolinsky at the time, he was a, a patriot, a hero, who stood up uh, against his own interests to tell the world the truth about Joe Biden and about his influence peddling, the way he abused used his power to make money from foreign countries uh, at, at the expense of America's national interest. And we're now reaping the, uh, the spoils of that. And I think, you know, ultimately what we need to know now that we're all on the same page, now that we agree that reality is reality, what do we do next? And I think the next step is to actually look at the evidence of wrongdoing by the president uh, and his family, obviously, but he's the important one, um, that's contained in the laptop and do something about it. And throw off the censorship regime that began that day when they censored you, they knocked Parler off the internet. We've never really recovered from that. I mean, everything we say is now censored and no one says anything about it. 
Yes, and also the 50 uh, former intelligence people. I mean, that was John Brennan, former recent head of the CIA. That was Leon Panetta. Uh, that was James Clapper and Michael Hayden. These people who now are, to this day, appearing on CNN and MSNBC as esteemed experts on Russia and Ukraine. And uh, those people should never hold their heads up in public again. They have That's been, right. com their reputations are destroyed by the fact they signed that letter and lied about the laptop and said without looking at it that it was Russian disinformation and they got Joe Biden off the hook. You think of all the people who've been destroyed for nothing, some stupid comment, yeah. you know, and then the, the criminals walk free, a lot of them. Miranda Devine, thank you. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. I'm not hearing myself in our in our uh, studio. It shows here that uh, we are live. Oh well, we'll just keep going. If um, if I'm not if I'm not coming through, let me know. Three one eight six six three seven eight seven eight eight four. That's 1-866-378-7884. You heard there with Miranda. She's the one that did the deep dive and uncovered all the insanity of the Biden administration and the corruption that included Hunter Biden, also then Vice President Biden. So it was happening when he was Vice President. James Posey says they can't hear us. So let me do this. Um, well, if you can't hear me, you can't hear me. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. 
When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. Got a text from uh, James Posey that said our microphone was not working. I, you know, I don't understand. For those of you that know anything about uh, music studio stuff, this is a Neumann 103, which is a very, very good microphone. And uh, uh, it's brand new. We shouldn't be having glitches, but guess what? Anything that's made, anything that has anything to do with anything, <laughs> that if it's important and it requires um, uh, good equipment, it may start out that way, but there are no guarantees it's going to stay that way or end up that way. I apologize for the uh, the break there after you heard Miranda. The thing I was saying about Miranda Devine is she is an investigative reporter. She's actually a columnist. She's not one of those anchors, you know, that's on the show at the main desk every night giving us the latest same person dressed similarly every night. She's the one that comes into the studio and sits across from the anchor and gives us the inside scoop on some of this stuff that is going on in the lives and in the public lives, especially of many of our leaders. Listen to this. We were, we were talking about Ketanji Brown Jackson. The Biden administration, they're holding on to 48,000 pages of records about Ketanji Brown Jackson not letting senators that sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the ones that are going to decide if her nomination even goes to the full floor of the Senate to be voted on. They're hiding 48,000 pages of records from them, from the senators. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin, Democrat of Illinois, is hiding these records about Jackson's time when she was vice chair of the sentencing commission where she championed leniency for child predators. That's according to Michael Davis, former chief counsel for the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, yesterday said that 16,000 pages of this content has been released to Jackson compared to the 48,000 pages they withheld by the White House under the Presidential Records Act and FOIA exemptions. Now, that's not supposed to apply to anybody that's not in the executive branch of the government, and she's not even going to be in the executive branch. If she's confirmed, she's going to be in the judiciary branch. Grassley's the ranking member of that committee. He revealed this obstruction during his opening statement at the Jackson Supreme Court confirmation hearings yesterday. First day, they all just made their uh, their points. They introduced themselves. She did. She had opening and closing statements. And then the members of the, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, they all did. Today, as a matter of fact, right now, they are into asking and answering these questions. Grassley said, Durbin has refused a request by Republican senators to look at her records on the Citizen Commission. Judge Jackson's history of sentencing below guidelines, particularly in cases involving child exploitation, raises legitimate questions about her views on penalties for these crimes. This is exactly why I, and this is Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley, that's asking this, this is exactly why I asked 
for her sentencing commission records, the same types of records the committee traditionally reviews when they vet a Supreme Court nominee. Now, just to kind of give you the perspective on what's going on with her nomination, she's been criticized for her public defender work in which she supported apparently terrorism suspects and for advocating softer sentences for child pornography offenses while she was on that commission. She argued publicly to lessen the sentence for people who are convicted of possession and distribution of child pornography. We don't know what she did behind the scenes, he said, grassly. We want to see what her thought process, what her deliberations were behind the scenes when the cameras were off, when there weren't transcripts. Unfortunately, somebody somewhere doesn't want the Senate to see that information. How can this be a thorough review if this information is withheld? Why aren't Democrats interested in allowing the committee to have it, the information? People convicted of possession and distribution of child pornography today face a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. Judge Jackson, for whatever reason, has been maneuvering to try to lessen the punishment for child pornographers. The former Senate Judiciary Attorney, Davis, said that a major problem is that Jackson operates on the empathy standard, which he defines as whatever the heck that judge feels that day. When she goes on the Supreme Court, she can just do whatever the heck she wants under her empathy standard. She's not bound by anything. She's not bound by the law at all. It's just whatever she feels at the time. So when she was in Harvard, at Harvard Law, she wrote a paper criticizing what she saw as excessiveness in punishments for sex offenders. This is a 25-year pattern, Davis said. This proves that she doesn't think that people who possess and distribute child pornography or that bad. Think about that for a second. <laughs> Not that bad. How about a judge? No, we're talking about a justice of the Supreme Court. Well, how about a justice in the Supreme Court? Just be concerned about one thing. What does the Constitution say? And in this case, what the Constitution says about child pornography is this. The laws are to be determined, written, and confirmed and signed into law by the United States Congress. On a state and local basis, those laws are at the behest of those states and local entities to pass, and then once passed, enforce them. The same thing is true at the national level. The only time the Supreme Court will and should ever be involved and is supposed to be involved in any case of any kind is when it's come through the cycle, through the court systems, it gets to them, and their only requisite is to lay it beside the United States Constitution and what it says a law is supposed to be and what that specific case, what it pertains to regarding that law directly. So Republican members of this committee, yesterday in their opening statements, you remember I said they didn't ask any questions or get answers, but they contrasted the civil treatment of this nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, during the first day of her hearings with the way the Democrats and liberal activists vilified 
Trump's second Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Remember that? Chairman Grassley couldn't get the first word out of his mouth before they shut down the place. He's talking about the Kavanaugh hearings. Most of us couldn't go back to our offices during Kavanaugh without getting spit on. I hope that doesn't happen to y'all. I don't think it will. As to the historic nature of your appointment, he's speaking now to uh, Katami Brown. I understand alluding to the fact that Jackson would have confirmed become the first African-American woman on the high court. But when I get lectured about this from my Democrat colleagues, I remember Janice Rogers Brown, who was an African-American woman. It was filibustered by the same people that are praising you now. I remember Miguel Estrada, one of the finest people I've ever met, completely wiped out. Graham vowed to ask Jackson questions based on her record. If you're Hispanic or African-American conservative, it's about your philosophy. Now it's going to be about the historic nature of the pick. So after a brief pause, he explained why he wouldn't shy away from asking questions about judicial philosophy. This is going to be about your philosophy. The bottom line here is when it is about philosophy, when it's somebody of color on our side, it's about we're all racist if we ask hard questions of you. It's not going to fly with us. We're used to it by now, at least I am, so it's not going to matter a bit to any of us. Christine Blasey Ford, remember that? She accused Kavanaugh of sexual assault from when he was back in high school. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2018 applauded her testimony. Kavanaugh denied the allegations. There were more than 200 arrests made during the Kavanaugh hearings. It was of people that were interrupting the hearings. 200 people arrested, activists. The committee vote was interrupted by these protesters. Lindsey Graham argued that the news media is on Jackson's side, so there likely won't be negative press coverage related to her confirmation process. The next morning, there were headlines all over the country really accusing Judge Kavanaugh of being basically Bill Cosby, he recalled during the Kavanaugh hearings. None of us are going to do that to you. And if any of us does that to you, all hell will break out, and it should. The media will be your biggest cheerleader. They're in your camp. So Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, Republican, he's the uh, uh, the highest-ranking Republican in the Senate, pledged a thorough, exhaustive examination of Judge Jackson's record and views in contrast to the Kavanaugh hearings, which he called a spectacle. And it, it was a spectacle. Every day of the Kavanaugh hearings was a spectacle. We won't try to turn this into a spectacle based upon alleged process fouls, he said. Good news on that front, we're off to a very good start. Unlike the start of the Kavanaugh hearings, we didn't have repeated choreographed interruptions of Chairman Dermott during his opening statements like Democrats interrupted me for more than an hour during my opening statement on the Kavanaugh hearings. What we will do is ask tough questions about Judge Jackson's judicial philosophy. So Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn, she said the confirmation hearings for Jackson would be respectful. We're going to work through the process with some tough questions, but do it in a manner with respect that you deserve. She referenced 
both the Kavanaugh hearings as well as the confirmation process for Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who she said was questioned about her faith and whether that made her suitable for the court. The Republican members of the committee would move forward and focus on the issues that the American people want to focus on because they want to know about you and how you're going to approach your job, she said, and the decisions that you have made in the past, what you've written, and what you've said. At the conclusion of the hearing, Senate Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin thanked everybody and members of the audience for keeping this dignified, respectful, and civilized atmosphere. And he could do that. He could say that, of course, because there's no Democrat that's going to ask hard questions. <coughs> Excuse me. No Democrat's going to ask hard questions that are too probing that would make her uncomfortable, even though it might need to be asked. That's just the way they work, folks. You can't get caught up and get upset about it. It doesn't do any good. They're going to do it. They have done it. They always will do it. And it's a big deal. But it's not a big deal because of the woman's sex or her skin color. It's a big deal because it's got to be, whether she's confirmed or not, has got to be based solely on her ability, commitment, her background, the way she's looked and talked about issues in front of the court that she served on to determine if she is going to be, if she's confirmed, a politician, which nobody that serves on a court, federal or state, is supposed to be that. They are supposed to be appointed to determine if anything, any law that is out in the nation, if it impacts the United States Constitution and it's being abused by some action by somebody. It's supposed to be that and nothing else. They are not supposed to determine whether a law is good or not because they don't write the laws. The United States Congress, both the House and the Senate, are responsible for putting laws together, running them through the legislative gambit after all of the discussions, the debate, amendments added, Amendments killed before they could get on a bill, before it goes to the floor of the House or the Senate for a vote. That's what they're supposed to do. And it's supposed to be a long, arduous process. And it should be. So that anything that gets on any president's desk, that means it's been through the House, it's been through the Senate, the people's representative have found a consensus that it is good and that it is necessary and it's for the people and the people will want it. But this, this Supreme Court stuff, it's just got crazy the last decade or so. I mean, I remember seeing confirmation hearings in the Senate for members that went to the Supreme Court with votes of like 96 to 4 in favor of. That means there was a ton of bipartisanship. There was no bipartisanship, apparently, in those confirmation votes. And I mean, that was common. It was very, very unusual. And I can't remember when one was. In fact, when it looked like there was not going to be strong bipartisan support, they don't even have the vote. 
they'll ask the person to withdraw their nomination so that it doesn't embarrass them if it goes to a vote and they get slammed. Why did this all have to happen while we have all this other stuff going on? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 just, I just don't. I'm not a politician. I don't get the reasoning for many of the things that they do and that they don't allow to be done. They just don't make sense. On another note, the vice president came to my state yesterday, came to Louisiana, and she was here and she continued down her road of really saying things. You know, we have a president that says a lot of crazy things, but we have a vice president that is maybe trying to learn how to talk like Joe. She repeated four times in the matter of less than 30 seconds. She mentioned in this, the significance of the passage of time. She used that phrase four times in 30 seconds. The significance of the passage of time. Uh, These were four times said during remarks after an event in Louisiana on providing high-speed internet to smaller towns across the nation. It appeared to be an off-script opening on her speech. In other words, it wasn't written, but she just pulled it out of the air. Significance of the passage of time. Yeah, there is significance today of the passage of time. The governor and I, she said, and we were all doing a tour of the library here and talking about the significance of the passing of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. She repeated it. So when you think about it, there's a great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs, she said. And she went on. And there is such a great significance to the passage of time. When we think about a day in the life of our children, what that means to the future of our nation, depending on whether or not they have the resources, they need to achieve their God-given talent. I mean, four times the significance of the passage of time. Republican Georgia rep Austin Scott reposted a clip of the comments on Twitter, pointed to the VP's other failures in adequately addressing our southern border crisis. Biden really should get her permission to put someone else in charge of border security, he tweeted. There's been too much passage of time with nothing being done. Veteran Republican aide Matt Whitlock, he compared the moment to the sitcom Veep, tweeting on Monday, Kamala Harris on the significance of the passage of time is the most Veep thing we've seen in at least a few weeks. Others were just confused. I was when I heard it. I was like, what is that? She said it four times in just a few sentences. The passage of time is what is killing the lower middle class and our children. What does this even mean? One Twitter user tweeted that. She was introduced by our governor, John Bill Edwards, yesterday afternoon to speak to about 100 people. She was also introduced by a Louisiana student named Josie, who said poor internet connectivity made virtual learning during the pandemic 10 times more difficult. Josie, thank you for the introduction, Vice President Harris said. She and I were speaking backstage. I got to tell you, I just love it when we see and how our young leaders participate because they are what it's all about. 
and I see many of our young leaders in the room today, so this is a good day. And I do know that our future is bright when I see this incredible talent. The vice president went to Sunset, Louisiana. Sunset, Louisiana. I know exactly where it is. If you're going south on Interstate 49, when when you pass through Opelousas, Opelousas, Louisiana, you go about five miles, the exit to Sunset, Louisiana is on the left. The significance for Louisianians, and do you remember Burt Jones, famous quarterback for the Baltimore, were they still the Colts? Yeah, they started as the Colts in Baltimore, and they kept the name when they went to Indianapolis, but Burt Jones married a girl from Sunset, Louisiana. That has nothing to do with the story, Dan. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Harris's confusing and repeated reference to time passing comes as the VP continues to face criticism for each and every one of her public appearances, including her inappropriately timed laughter and her demeanor. It's it's almost like it's akin to uh, Hillary Clinton's when she cackled. You know, I mean, she sounded like a witch. Kamala Harris, I, I couldn't call hers a witch, but it's very unnerving. But they both used it at very inappropriate times. Harris uses it every time she says a sentence almost. Hillary, it was literally, she didn't use it all the time, but when she used it, it made your skin crawl. Earlier this month, remember, she went to Poland, and she got all kind of criticism for that laughter in the middle of a serious war and that refugee crisis. She laughed off questions about the crisis, dodged inquiries at a press conference in Warsaw on Thursday last week regarding why a deal for sending fighter jets to Kiev fell through. Ukrainian-born Republican Rep. Victoria Spartz slammed the vice president, saying, this is a very serious situation requiring action, not a laughing matter. You can bet that critics tore into Harris's conduct at that press conference alongside the Polish president. The VP's three-day trip to Eastern Europe, it came as Poland had taken in upwards of 2 million refugees. That number's been updated to almost 3 million today. They're just getting out of Ukraine anyway, and they're going anywhere they possibly can. When asked about the refugee issue, she looked at the president, Duda, like she expected him to respond first. Then she cackled through her comment, a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imitate her. I wish I could. I'd drive you crazy if I could. <laughs> that laughter at inappropriate times with world leaders was met with widespread criticism. Kamala Harris has been very consistent during her live remarks with Poland's leader. That was former Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos tweeted at the time, she is awkwardly laughing again, discussing refugees is no laughing matter. Why she laughs at this is deranged. Now, something just popped out on the news overnight, and I, 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 I couldn't understand its significance, but it was about former Vice President Mike Pence. A Secret Service agent testified in a trial I didn't even know there was a trial going on regarding the location of then Vice President Pence on January 6, 2021. That's the date of the quote-unquote insurrection at the Capitol. The agent is Linnell Hawa. 
She said she was with the VP and his wife and their daughter when they were evacuated on January 6th from the Capitol building. Hawa said the trio was taken to an underground loading dock that is located underneath the plaza on the Senate side of the Capitol, close to the Capitol Visitor Center. The agent, Hawa, why was she testifying? Well, it was during a bench trial of Coy Griffin. Griffin is the founder of Cowboys for Trump, one of those conservative groups. Griffin has been charged with two misdemeanors, including entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, specifically within the U.S. Capitol and its grounds. The charge hinges on Pence being present in the same area after prosecutors admitted Vice President Kamala Harris, who they originally claimed was present, was not. Griffin's lawyers won the right to question the Secret Service over Pence's location. They had said that Pence was not present when Griffin was accused of committing a crime, arguing the charges should be dismissed. Prosecutors decided to call Hawa instead of dropping the charges. So Nicholas Smith, one of Griffin's lawyers, questioned her about specifics of the perimeter, the security perimeter, and whether the restricted area reached to the underground parking area but prosecutors, of course, repeatedly objected. The U.S. judge, Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee, told Smith to move on to other questions and declared the defense had failed to show Pence left the restricted area. Matthew Strzok, who was with Griffin on January 6th, also testified, testifying to the court that Griffin was on the grounds to find a place to pray and did, in fact, offer a prayer as seen in video he recorded. Strzok received immunity from the government in exchange for cooperating with prosecutors. I feel it was a good day that the trial went very well, Griffin told reporters outside. He called the judge extremely fair. Griffin is just, this kills me, Griffin is just the second January 6th defendant to go on trial. The first, Guy Wesley Reffitt, was convicted on five counts, but on Monday filed a motion for acquittal or a new trial. Reffitt's case was decided by a jury. Griffin opted for a bench trial, in which the judge decides on the verdict by himself. Closing arguments in that case were set for today. A decision is expected uh, probably before the end of the week. It's interesting now. Uh, every time we see anything about the prosecution of there. You know, we they arrested 700 people, more than 700 people. This is only the second one to go to trial. A, a, a year and two months later, tell me that this is constitutionally a right to a speedy trial for those 700 arrested people. This is all Democrat Party-led. Democrat Party led by Nancy Pelosi. As the Speaker of the House, she's primarily, principally in charge of the protection, the security of the Capitol, and anything that goes on there, she's the boss. She's got to be involved in this long, long delay. And let me tell you what I'm pretty sure it is. There aren't 700 people that have violated the laws by being there. Worst case scenario is just like this guy, charged with two misdemeanors for actually being there. 
numerous of those that were also charged out of the 700 have already had the charges dropped against them. So what they're doing, folks, I'm sure it's at the behest of that January 6th committee on which Adam Schiff has a seat. He's the guy that is totally committed to connecting Donald Trump to everything that went on that day to try to paint a picture and prove it in this court that that is the reason that it was done, that it was Donald Trump that instigated it all. And this guy, we're talking about, it's a national news story, two misdemeanor charges against him. And most of the others face the same or similar charges to that. We have some news coming out regarding COVID-19. You remember that? That evil little bug that we spent hours every day talking about for two years. (laughs) Two years, folks. We're not actually going to talk about coronavirus. We're going to talk about the Centers for Disease Control. Did you know that Dr. Anthony Fauci is still alive? He is. Don't know where he is. I haven't seen him. I heard that on Sunday he came out to talk on a couple of the Sunday news shows, and he talked about a new variant of Omicron. And then I saw a story earlier today that he said, hey, this one's not going to be nearly as bad as the previous ones, which is a first for him. Every one of them. Every one of them the whole way through. You remember? Oh, it's coming out. If you don't take care of yourself and don't do this, you're going to die. You've got to listen to us or you're going to die. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs? Bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Remember music back then? Oh my gosh. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Who can forget when he sounded like that, but he looked like an American African-American regular teenager. That was before all of the uh, the medical work was done on him and uh, one of the greatest entertainers of all time. I loved his music. I did. I got laughed at a lot by people, but I loved his music. He wrote most of that. And you got to admit, he had some great songs when he was out there. Well, back to the CDC. Did you know they removed, very quietly, hardly anybody picked it up, They removed 72,277 deaths. Now, what does that mean? Of the total deaths that we've had here, you know, the 500,000 plus? Well, they they decided to remove 72,000, very quietly, of those deaths. 
and that included among those were 416 children. Now, all of those deaths, 72,000, they were said to have been from COVID-19. 72,000. We were scared to death through the whole whole thing that we were talking about. Well, we tried to, on several occasions, point to the fact that the other types of deaths out there, those reported numbers were getting smaller, unexplained. Well, we know why they were. The CDC was borrowing from the deaths at other types of causes and painting COVID-19 cause of death on them, including 416 children. Well, they came out very quietly over the weekend and said, well, we've removed those 72,000 deaths. And they said this, CDC constantly reviews our COVID-19 data to ensure its accuracy. (laughs) Because CDC's algorithm was accidentally counting deaths that were not COVID-19 related. Now, here we are, folks. We're two years, three years into the pandemic, basically. But we're really two years into the CDC just doubling down on pretty much everything. How do you go for a year plus when the numbers that you report, the procedures that you indicate must be done or must not be done, being the most powerful medical entity in the United States, therefore in the world, you just wait a year or so to do an audit on the death reports, and you just missed a paltry 72,277 people. That is unbelievable, and if not unbelievable, it's totally unacceptable. Now, they haven't announced when the change was made. On its website, they described the update as a statement from the resolution of a coding logic error. Coding logic. I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it. I really don't. Now, I told you about this Pennsylvania election thing. Listen to this. The certified 2020 election results in Pennsylvania show that Joe Biden won the state with 80,555 more votes than Donald Trump. But when then-Secretary of State Kathy Bookfer certified the vote on November 24th of 2020, the state had 784, 752. Listen to that number. If we don't go anywhere the rest of this show, if we stop right here, folks, the state had in that election 784,752 more ballots than it had voters. Nearly 10 times more than the margin of victory for Joe Biden. Now, there are some legitimate reasons for overvotes. For example, a voter may make a mistake and ask for a new ballot. But Pennsylvania law specifically says when the ballots exceed the total number of persons who voted, such excess shall be deemed a discrepancy and palpable error and shall be investigated by the return board and no vote shall be recorded from such district until such investigation shall be had. Put simply, overvotes can't be counted until they're investigated. But they weren't investigated. They just went ahead and certified the election results. The Pennsylvania Department of State did not respond to a question about this 
It's also worth noting that governments don't keep records forever. They have retention schedules that guide when to destroy documents to make room for new ones. In Pennsylvania, as of September 2022, counties can legally destroy the paper ballots and documentation related to the 2020 election, ending any chance of explaining an election irregularities that have troubled so many voters and spurred many to rally at the U.S. Capitol. When? On January 6th of 2021. Think about that, folks. <laughs> you know, We've been beaten over the head I mean, for years now, by the people on the left, everybody, you can't, you just can't talk about it because it didn't happen. It's not true. And folks, it did happen. It did happen. Voting irregularity did happen. That's a wrap today, folks. Thank you for being here. You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, sharp, 9 o'clock. See you then.